My name is Andrea Bumstead and I am a member at Restore Temecula. If you are new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help in any way, please visit our website at www.RestoreTemecula.com and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android App Store. With all of that said, we hope you enjoy the message. Did you see your faces? It's a holiday weekend, and you braved it. You're here. Well done. So uh, this morning, if you're new, we are in a series called Summer in the Psalms. And we have been working through a variety of different psalms over the last few weeks. For me personally, I'm loving this. I feel like it's rich. Hope you're enjoying it as well. Uh, This morning, we're going to continue with that series, and we're going to go through Psalm 77. And the kind of the tagline for the series, the big idea is that whatever you're going through in life, there's a psalm for that. You remember the kind of the whole thing that Tom did about apps? There's an app for everything. Well, there's a psalm essentially for everything that we go through. And our hope is that over the course of the summer, as we hit, we're going to hit, I think, 12 psalms, something like that, that you will find you you, in the midst of this psalm, and you will find God, the lover of your soul, in the midst of it as well, meeting you with his grace and his mercy, changing your life. So let's go ahead and join me in prayer before we dive into this morning's message. Father, thank you. Thank you for your gracious, merciful, gentle leadership. You lead us. You guide us. We're a flock. We're a shepherd. I thank you for that. And I thank you that this morning that you have things planned for us. I thank you that you have good things for every single person here. And I simply pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to see you, to hear you, and to receive you, to receive your love this morning. And that includes me. I need to receive your love as well this morning, Father. So we thank you. We pray that you do something uh, new in us this morning. We love you. We're grateful to you. Do you me pray? Amen. All right. Come on up, Heidi. Heidi will be reading Psalm 77 for us. Morning, everyone. I'm going to read Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refused to be comforted. I think of God. I groan. I meditate. My spirit becomes weak. Selah. You have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and cannot speak. I consider days of old, years long past. At night, I remember my music. I meditate in my heart, and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show his favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Selah. So I say, I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? 
You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The water saw you, God. The water saw you, it trembled. Even the depths shook. The clouds poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. Your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Thank you. I think as Heidi was reading about the thunder, that rooms flickered. <laughs> Disneyland level production, folks. I was uh, sitting, standing at my kitchen counter, uh, looking at a computer screen. And what I was looking at was a weather report. That's how I felt when I saw it. It said it was a weather report, and it had a handful of major cities in Puerto Rico, and it was showing a prediction of how strong the winds would be during the oncoming hurricane. My hometown is called Mayaguez. It is Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, touche. Uh, so we were, it was our time, our 15 minutes. The weather estimate, the wind was estimated to hit in gust of 225 miles an hour. When I saw it, like, I just started crying. Uh, if you've never been in a storm like that, which hopefully you never have, wind gusts much less strong than that can turn a two by four into a flying sword that will cut through a tree. I've seen pictures of it. So here I am in my living in my kitchen, just I couldn't believe what I was seeing. This is September of 2017. Hurricane Maria was on its way to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is where I'm from. It's where I was born. I moved out here to the States uh, when I was eight. But that's where my family lives. That's where my parents live. And that's what was coming. The closest thing that I can think of, uh, the closest equivalent, was I remember one time when I was young, there was a helicopter that was going around the neighborhood. And it was saying there, you know, that there's someone who is armed and dangerous on the loose. Come inside. Don't open the doors. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but it's sort of like you just got, you hunker down and you just wait it out and hope that it misses you. That's how I felt for my family, that it was a, a hurricane. Uh, fast forward to July 2020, about three years later, I wake up, I think it was July 30th of, of 2020, and there's videos all over the internet, all over Twitter, of my leg was. And I want to show you one of those videos right now. This is video clip number one in the back, Marshall. That's a street right there, and a little stream that became raging waters. You can see the cars, the, the water's like up to here. Water's entering homes. And this is my hometown. It's July 30th, 2020. 
This was all over the internet that day. It was all over Twitter. It was all over ABC. Everybody picked it up. We were in the news for all the wrong reasons. Marshall, if you could cue up the picture, just like the still shot, and just leave it up there. You can see when it's still, there's a lot of rain that's actually still falling, falling at that moment. I was thinking a lot about this this week. There's a path that we imagine ourselves taking through life. There's things that we want to experience. There's things that we want to do. There's places that we want to go. There's a way in which we imagine life going. And the rains, the storms of life come, and then the waters rise and they conceal the path. For you, it might be a health diagnosis that blindsides you, hits you out of nowhere. Could be marriage trouble, it could be a relationship that goes sideways and goes abruptly, goes wrong abruptly. Could be money problems, could be losing a job, it could be just the general economic pain of this moment that we're living in right now. Could be not getting into that school that you really want to go to for college. It could be not making the sports team. Could be getting stuck in your career, not making grades the thing that you've been waiting for not working out in life. When the rains come, the waters rise. And all of a sudden, that road that is so familiar to us becomes a river. You can't even see it anymore. Now what? How do we get through this? I don't even see the road. I can't find the way. And it's very easy to lose your way when you don't know what the path is in life. When the waters rise, it can really feel like, man, life is out of control, which is what it felt like that morning when I woke up and saw this. This is my hometown. Out of control. This is certainly bigger than me. I can't stop this. I can't prevent this from happening. It's already happening. I can't change it. And it's painful. It's difficult. It's troubling. There's loss. There's confusion. Sometimes a sense of hopelessness sets in. I felt disoriented. I felt overwhelmed. There's a sense of like it was hard to sleep with this happening. It's confusing. All of my doubts spill out. And it's hard to even pray. If you've ever been in a situation like this, it can be even hard to get the words out. Sometimes all we can do is sigh. You ever been in a spot, spot like that where all you can do is just sigh? <sighs> that is what the psalmist is experiencing in this psalm today. And we all, at one time or another, will experience this. Maybe it's happening to you now. Maybe not. If it's not you, if this is like a sunny day for you, enjoy it. Seriously, it's a gift. Enjoy it. But just know that for every person, trouble is coming. If it's not you, it's somebody else. And what makes this so difficult is in the midst of this, sometimes it's easy to feel very small and almost invisible, insignificant. Not just to other people, but to God himself. This is the kind of thing where it's sort of like, the most natural thing is just to fend for yourself. Take care of you. And ask questions. God, do you see me? Do you care? Have you forgotten to be good? This is what the psalm is all about. Notice, though, that the psalmist is completely honest about these things. Completely honest. He says them out loud. Guess what? He's not rebuked for it. He's not disciplined for it. Nobody's like, shh, God doesn't do that. You know what happens to the psalmist who cries out in the midst of this? He's honored by being recorded in scripture for your benefit and mine. God honors honest people who wrestle with him in their pain. God loves wrestling. 
And so do I. <laughs> what does this psalm teach us to do when the waters start to rise and we lose our way? I think oftentimes what we do is we start problem solving. That's what we do. We start strategizing. We start figuring things out. Or we just become apathetic because it's just too much. I actually saw some people who, not here, but um, in another part of the city where the water had kind of calmed down, they blew up an air match and started floating all over. It was just kind of like, whatever. The Psalms provides a different way through. It highlights three things. If you're taking notes, these are the three things we're going to talk about today. We're actually just going to give you one. First thing is, the psalmist instructs us, teaches us, models for us, demonstrates to us that when things get really hard, we cry out. Even when it's hard. We cry out. We're honest. Even when we don't feel like it. Psalm 77, verses 1 to 4. Cry out. Verses Psalm, Psalm 77, verses 1 to 4 say this. Listen to the psalmist's words. He says, I cry aloud to God, verse 1. Aloud to God and he will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. But I refuse to be comforted. You ever been in a spot like that where you pray and pray and pray and nothing happens? You don't feel any better. No relief. That's what the psalmist is going through. And he's, he's telling God about it. I think of God, I groan, I meditate, my spirit becomes weak. Selah. You have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and cannot speak. He's sleepless. We cry out when we don't feel like it, even when things are really hard. On uh, September 20th, 2017, Hurricane Maria uh, entered into the Puerto Rican, the little island of Puerto Rico through the southeast. And uh, the devastation that it caused is really hard to put into words. Two years later, I was driving through the island, through that part, and it looked like an atomic bomb had been dropped on the island. I don't know if, it's just a devastation I've never seen. I didn't know it was possible. It destroyed the weather sensing equipment. So all we have is estimates. We, we think it hit at around 155 miles an hour. But the truth is the weather equipment breaks down at 133. So it was just obliterated. We don't know. What was worse than losing the weather equipment was that power was completely knocked out to the entire island, essentially, save for a few spots in the metropolitan area of San Juan. Telecommunications also went down. Puerto Rico went dark. I didn't know what happened to my parents. My parents live there. And I had no way of finding out. On September 21st, 2017, the day after, the worst Past, the most difficult pastoral situation that I had ever faced up until that point broke out. Another storm exploded. I was pastoring, and a member of our church went through a devastating, debilitating mental health episode. I was a first responder to that crisis. It was like, it was like going into a, a hurricane. Two storms at the same time. I barely held it together. Here's the thing, though. I know many of you, many of you have faced situations like this. The details may differ about what is happening, but you've experienced pressure at home and at work at the same time. You've gone through health scares and in the busiest season of your job. You have had multiple children struggling with big things at the same time, with you struggling with other things at the same time. There's difficult financial pressures that we experience and strain in our marriages at the same time. 
Sometimes you can have a difficult time at school and you lose something that's really important to you. Maybe a person that you love or an opportunity that you're waiting for. All that stuff can happen. The storms come, the waters rise. How do you handle that? How do you handle it? What do you do? Where do you turn? This psalm teaches us that God invites you and me to be honest with him. Even when it's hard, even when we don't feel like it, you can, you can tell him how you feel. You can express your doubts and your difficulties. You can tell him the good, the bad, and the ugly. He's up for it. You, know, you never know. He might honor it. There's not going to be any more scripture written, but in other ways. In other ways. God, have you forgotten to be good? Did you hear that? Did you hear the psalmist say that? Have you forgotten to be good? It's like, has your memory, are you having issues with your memory, God? Don't you remember that you're supposed to be the, the God of grace and mercy? So it's kind of uncomfortable to read. Anybody else feel uncomfortable reading that? A little bit. Because it almost feels like disrespectful to God, but God's like, I'm here for that. He can handle it. The first thing that we learn in the Psalms is the waters start to rise. We don't need to start strategizing. We don't need to start problem solving, fixing, figuring stuff out, or checking out. We cry out. When the rains come, cry out. Second thing that we see in this Psalm, number two, if you're taking notes, what do we see the psalmist do after he cries out? He calls to mind God's past deeds. That's number two, if you're taking notes. He calls to mind God's past deeds. Verse 11, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done. I will meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is like is great like God. You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. This is a, this is a reference to Israel. This is a reference to, well, I'll get into that in a second. But what the psalmist is essentially remembering is like, hey, this is really hard. The waters are rising, but this is not our first storm. The waters are rising, but this is not our first storm. The people of Israel, God's people. And he talks about Jacob, he talks about Joseph. It's a reference to the people of God. And last week, I actually started to, to, I picked up on this a little bit, but I'm going to pick up on it again and go into a lot more, I think, uh, detail here. But the big moment, the big storm that the people of Israel faced was what? It was when they were in captivity, when they were in slavery, in bondage, in Egypt. And they were in that state for 400 years. I don't think we have patience <laughs> to really understand what that really means, to be in that condition for 400 years hundred long years. And what does the scripture say? They start to cry out and God hears their cries. He sees their suffering and he moves. That's what he does. And so he raises up Moses and Aaron to send a message to Pharaoh, that famous message of let my people go. Let my people go. And Pharaoh says, uh-uh, I don't even know who this God is. Don't know, don't care. I'm not letting your people go. And so then God displays his power through Pharaoh. And what's the big moment, the thing that kind of puts them over the, that, that finally does Pharaoh in? It's the Passover. It's the Passover. What's the Passover? Blood. The Passover of blood. An animal was sacrificed, a lamb. And they took the blood and they put it on the doorposts of the resident where people lived. And if there was blood on your doorpost, God spared you. It was a night of judgment and mercy. That's what it was. 
And so the second that that happened, Pharaoh, Egypt experienced a significant loss because they opt out. God gives everybody the opportunity to put the blood on the doorposts, and there's people that opt out of it. And so they experience the judgment that God promised. And Pharaoh is like, get out of here. Now he can't tell them quick enough to go. And so the people of Israel quickly, they head on their way. But Pharaoh changes his mind. He's like, actually, what are we doing? These are people. They're, they're valuable to us. They help us, whatever, whatever. And so Pharaoh sends 600 charioteers. Is that a word? If I didn't, man, that sounds, that sounds right. 600 charioteers, people in chariots, horses, warriors, to catch up with the people, and the people are stuck because what's in front of them? The sea. The sea. The sea is a, is, a, is a picture, it's a metaphor of danger, of chaos, of death. So they're staring death in the face, there's death behind us, death ahead of us. And what do the people do? They panic straight up. They start saying things like, ah, did we, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to send us here to die? <laughs> so they turn. And Moses basically says, just chill, watch chill and watch. And then what does God do? He creates a path through the sea. Raise the waters. Go through the mud on their side. Amazing stuff. So that the psalmist is, is reminding us, reminding the people who originally read this, and by extension, all of us now who are here, the Lord makes a way when there is no way. Be at peace. The Lord makes a way when there is no way. He makes the way through the sea. And the psalmist is calling this to mind. This is not our first storm. Marshall, if you'll cue up the, the picture of the satellite. This right here is a picture of the Caribbean in, in September. And you you'll might notice this. You might, this might be familiar to you. It might not be. This is the Dominican Republic in Haiti. This is Jamaica. This is Cuba. Down here, you have Venezuela. You've got Colombia, Panama. You have all these different islands, Guadeloupe, Martinique, uh, St. Kitts, all these other islands over here. Is anything strange about this picture? Anybody? Go to the next one, Marshall. That's Puerto Rico. I mean, that's my artist rendering. It's in the dark. It is utterly in the dark. And when these storms roll through, sometimes it's easy to feel invisible. It's easy to feel like, where's God? Does he care? Does anybody care? And I was dealing with the fear and anxiety. I wasn't there, but my family was there. In many ways, it was sort of like my, my heart was there with, it, with, with these people. And additionally, I'm dealing with one of the hardest things I've ever dealt with pastorally at the same time. Where is God in this? So what do I do? I actually turn to, I start trying to figure out any information that I possibly can. I'm on Twitter, just following people who are getting little bits of information. I'm like following, a, you know, breadcrumbs. There's this walkie-talkie app that a bunch of Puerto Ricans in the state started using to communicate to each other about, hey, this in this city, in this neighborhood, they checked in. People are alive. That's the degree of desperation. Facebook groups. I was on the phone with my cousins who lived in the States. Little, every little bit of information that they got. 
and it was quiet for days. So finally, one day, a Facebook message pops in. Someone saw your parents. Ten days later, I get a phone call. It's my mom. They're safe. They were trapped in their house for days. Actually, I don't know if that's true. They were trapped in their house for at least a day or two because all the trees went down around them, and so they couldn't get out. So one of their neighbors had to come with a chainsaw, I guess, and actually cut them out of their own house. They had to be rescued, but they were safe. Fast forward three years, July 20th, excuse me, July 30th, 2020. Here we go again. Major storm written through the island. This isn't our first storm. That reminder of the past rescue connected me to the present. That past rescue was connected to this present moment. When the floodwaters rise, disciples call to mind God's works. God, you've come through for your people time and time again. God, when all looked lost for Israel, you came through. God, you rescue your people. Those are the things that disciples call to mind. Let's go to video clip number two. This is a very short one. That right there is one of the videos that was flowing out of Puerto Rico. That's a neighborhood. Kind of see cars, sort of. You can see like part, parts of it. As I'm seeing these videos come out, I realize I know these. I know this. I know this neighborhood. It's my parents' neighborhood. My Aguez was all over the news for all the wrong reasons. That terrible deluge of water that I showed you earlier in this message, that's where it flowed to. My parents' neighborhood. This time, the cell towers didn't go down, so I was getting real-time updates. Lord, you rescued them before. You brought millions through the last disaster. Do it again. Cry out. Call to mind his works. And here's the third thing that we learned from this psalm. Number three, if you're taking notes, this is the last thing. Call on him to do it again. Do it again, Lord. You've done this in the past. Do it again. The commentators note that in this psalm, part of what the psalmist is doing, he's reminding himself, but he's not just reminding himself. Who's he also reminding? All of us? Who else? God. Psalm 77, verses 16 to 20. Listen to these words. The water saw you, God. This is a reflection on the Red Sea moment. The waters saw you, God. The water saw you. It trembled. Even the depths shook. The clouds poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. Your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind, lighting up the world. The earth shook and quaked. This is God's power and his rescue. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. That's worth uh, some coffee and some time to think about. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. God, you've done this before. Do it again. Do it again. The sea is the realm of the unknown, danger and death. You rescued us out of those waters, God. Do it again. On July 30th, 2020, at about 8.30 a.m., a man by the name of Javier Nieves realized that his neighborhood was flooding. He started putting towels underneath the door to try to avoid the water coming in, but pretty quickly it became clear, that's not going to do anything, man. The water started coming in. It didn't work. 
He said it was like an explosion of water when he was interviewed later. He said that he used this amazing phrase that I had to look up. He said, Centrón Brazo de Mar, which is a wide and long channel of the sea that goes inland. So it's like the sea broke into my house. The chaos waters came in. Then desperation set in for his wife. Why? They have a three-month-old. And that three-month-old's room is filling with water, with the new crib that they just put together. It's filling. You can imagine what that's like. Put yourself in their shoes for a minute. You're a young parent. Even if you're not a young parent, just imagine. First kid, you've worked really hard to prepare the, you know, a little space for him, and all of a sudden it's filling with water. Nothing that we can do will fix this. There is no way to solve this problem. It's a terrifying situation. So she quickly packs a bag and she starts to make plans to get out of there because they have family in the area that have a two-story house. Maybe we can go there, possibly. So Javier, the father, grabs like a poncho essentially, puts it over him, he grabs his baby and he starts going out the door before he realizes taking two steps out and the water's here. I'm going to have to swim out of here. With a baby, not happening. There's no getting through. So what do they do? They cry out for help. And what happened next went viral. Video clip number three, Marshall. This is what happened. It's in Spanish. I'll explain later. This is the view out of his house. El maestro de educación física de inmediato colocó toallas en los marcos de las puertas para evitar que el agua entrara en la casa, pero fue inútil. Pero fue inútil. Es una explosión de agua. El agua se fue a nuestra casa. Momento en que la desesperación se apoderó de Sanet, quien velaba por la seguridad de su niño de tres meses. Estas aguas son sucias, entonces se comienzan a entrar en la casa. It's terrifying. There's creatures in that water. All kinds of stuff is coming into our house. She grabs a bag. Tries to leave the house. I tried to get out. I wasn't going to be able to get out. Entre llanto y preocupación, que el especialista Javier Estrella, amigo de la pareja, llegó a rescatarlos. Yo le di a mi hijo, yo ven con él, porque jamás, yo estoy bien. Yo estoy cuidado con el que el militar los ayudó. Convenció a la madre que el hijo de este hombre le dio una sensación de paz. Era la sensación. Ok, podemos cortar ahí. Ok. Milcar Estrella came in. That's the soldier's name. And he rescued... That trapped, that trapped child and the family, because they weren't able to get out. It was covered, their house was covered in several feet of flood water, as was the rest of their block. He said, they interviewed this soldier later, and he said that other people tried to get there before him, but couldn't. Why? They weren't able to access the home and the family because the waters were covering the roads and they didn't have a way through. They didn't know their way around there. It covered up the path. For Milcar Estrella, which is Estrella's star in Spanish, which I think he gets the gold star for that day, this soldier, this was familiar terrain, though. Why? That's his neighborhood. Those were his people. He knew how to get around. 
He was able to get around even as the floodwaters covered the street and basically made that passage impenetrable for anybody else who didn't know that terrain intimately. Why do I tell you this story? What's the, what's the point? In the psalm, one of the reasons why that this psalm has been so impactful to me, and I hope it will be to you, is that we see two aspects of God. Number one, we see him as divine warrior. All that language of like thunder and lightning, all that stuff, it's actually the commentators were across the board, it's like that's divine warrior language. The divine warrior protects his people. That's what he does. But number two, what we also see is a gentle shepherd who's leading his people through the sea. Divine warrior, gentle shepherd, all in one. And I love that that was a, that was a soldier. Um, do you have a picture of him, Marshall? Nope. You can picture that, a soldier holding a baby. A soldier holding a baby. One of the commentaries that I read actually talked about how in the, that when the psalmist is crying out, one of the expressions he uses is like this expression of like God in the, like carrying a child like in the womb almost. And it's like, have you forgotten that tender, parental, fatherly care or motherly care, if you will? And very clearly, this is saying no, he hasn't. He holds his children like a father does, gently leads them through. He's strong enough to overcome the waters but he's gentle enough not to crush us as he leads us out. One commentator put it this way, mightier than the mighty, meeker than the meekest, God. Oftentimes, it's easier to see one or, or the other, but not both, right? Some of us get really excited about the mighty and the mighty. Some of us get really excited about meeker and the meeker, but actually we need both to understand who God is in our pain. So here's the three things. Three things that we learn today from the psalm. We learn to cry out. When the storm waters rise, we cry out. We call to mind God's past works, and we call on him to do it again. We call on him to do it again. As we cultivate this kind of life as a community, amazing things can happen. I'll never forget the day that I was standing in a courtroom in San Diego, and I was standing there and I was witnessing, essentially, the end of the journey for this person who went through this terrible mental health episode. They had to go through court-appointed, uh, a way to basically demonstrate that he was okay, that he was safe, and he did it. Even though it looked completely lost, chaotic, he did it. And the thing that was most touching to the judge, the judge actually paused what she was doing and remarked on this. The judge said, I've never seen anything like this. So this man was standing up, and it wasn't just him, it was his community, it was the church. The people of God who had cried out, interceded on his behalf. The people of God who had called on God to remember to be gracious and to do it again. There they were, they showed up in the courtroom, and this judge was touched. She'd never seen it. Normally, people are alone. It's a very sad kind of situation. We talk about really significant mental health challenges. But this person was not alone. She didn't know. She didn't know that we cry out to a God who's a divine warrior who walks over the waters. She didn't know that we have a gentle shepherd who walks with his sheep and cares for the hurting, bandages their wounds, puts them around his shoulders, and brings them home. She didn't know that but she got to see it, an embodiment. 
of God's rescue. You got to see it. That's the God that we serve. I've got one last picture to show you. That is the view from outside my parents' house. That's as close as the water's got. You could reach your hand out and touch them, but they didn't touch my family. That wasn't our first storm. We cried out to him and we asked him, God, you're the God who rescues, do it again. And he did. We pray, God decides the outcome. And nevertheless, our job is the same. We cry out, we do that kind of work. I'm gonna call the band up. There's something I learned going through this psalm. We're almost done. Something very important that I learned through this psalm. There's a path through your pain. There's a path through your pain. If you're taking notes, write that one down. There is a path through your pain, even if you can't see it because the waters have covered over it. Jesus knows the way. Jesus knows the way, and he leads you through it. How? Well, first, he went through it. Jesus, the divine warrior who has the power to walk on the chaos waters, was submerged into the chaos waters. He drowned on the cross in a matter of speaking. Why? So on the third day, he could rise. We sang it. I don't know if you noticed it, but we sang it. The third day, he rose again. And as he rises, we rise. All who have put their faith in him will rise. Our divine warrior, our gentle shepherd, divine warrior who died for us, and our gentle shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. That's who Jesus is. That's the one that we call on today. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able to. He knows your pain because he fully embraced it. He knows the path through your pain because he walked it all the way to the cross. And he's returned to declare that the grave has no victory over you and me. Will you let him guide you when that time comes? Maybe for you that's today. Maybe today you feel the water's rising. Maybe that's not today. Maybe that's in the future. But when that time comes, will you let him guide you through that path? Two big things. He knows what he's doing. And he deserves the benefit of the doubt because he's lived this, he's walked this out. I'm gonna go ahead and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're a divine warrior who controls the chaos waters, who walks over them. And yet you're a gentle shepherd who laid down his life for us. You laid down your life for us. You are so trustworthy. You are true. You are tender. Teach us what it looks like to follow you in our hardest moments, in our deepest pain, in the moments where we feel most overwhelmed, scared. Teach us, God. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team to make your way over there. If you are here and you feel like I'm drowning, go get prayer. Go get prayer. If you are here, and maybe you're not drowning, but you know someone who is, guess what? If you're a disciple of Jesus, which by the way, if you're not, so glad that you're here. You're invited and welcome to all the things that we're doing as a church. If you are seeing someone drown and you're a disciple, guess what? You're a first responder in that situation. 
And you might actually need some courage. You might need some help because you may not know what to do or you might just be scared because the waters are rising. Go get prayer. If you are in need and rescue, and maybe for you today, you've just never asked Jesus to rescue you, period. Maybe you're actually here and part of what the waters are for you is that they're the waters of your sin and brokenness just kind of beginning to drown you. You're drowning under that. If you've never cried out for rescue, go get prayer. We would love to pray for you so that you would experience and receive the love of Jesus. For everyone else, let's pray. Let's sing. Ready did that. Let's sing to him, our divine warrior, our gentle shepherd who laid down his life for us. He's worthy. Let's praise him. Beautiful. We're going to keep singing in a minute. But as a church, we always want to be open to what God might be saying to us. And Lisa, uh, come on up. Every week, Lisa and Heidi lead a team that are praying for the gathering, that are praying for you, that are praying for us. And uh, every so often, something will come up that feels like, oh, this might be something that God has for somebody in the room today. And Lisa shared something with me that I feel like would be good to put in front of the church. Yeah. Hi, good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Um, as we were singing earlier um, and throughout the message, I've been seeing a picture of a burn wound um, that's been all bandaged up. And um, the great physician, our father, like gently unwrapping it, wanting to see how the healing process is happening um, with burns. Uh, it's a process over time to heal. It's not something that's quick. Um, and it just seems like something that the Lord wants to tenderly care for. Um, ironically, I burnt my finger this week, and it's amazing how the tiniest little thing, like everything you're doing, you're washing dishes, and ow. Um, so it feels like something that day to day, you may feel the, feel the effects of this burn. Um, I'd love to pray for you. Yeah, if that resonated with you, Lisa will be right here. There's going to be a prayer team available to pray for you here on the side, and I'll be up here as well in the front if you want to chat after the gathering. Um, yeah, let's keep singing. Father, we thank you that Jesus conquered, conquered the, the, conquered the sin that dehumanized us, that brought death into our world. He conquered it. And I thank you that he is risen from the grave and he is ruling and reigning. And I pray that as a church that we would learn how to come under his gracious rule and reign more and more every day through the hard times and the good times. I thank you that Jesus, you are a king who sits on a throne of grace and that we can come to you in our time of need and find what we need. We love you and we're grateful to you. It's in your name we pray, amen. You guys can grab a seat. I'm gonna go ahead and close this out here in a minute. So when the waters rise, there's three things. Marshall, if you wouldn't mind putting the three things back up. When the waters rise, this psalm has taught us, the psalmist has taught us three things. That we cry out, that we remember God's past works. And now as Christians, we actually have the privilege of looking back on the cross. Which when Psalm 77 was written, there was no cross to look back to. We have that. So we actually have more of a revelation of God's love and kindness and his rescue than they even had. So all the more, we get to call to mind God's past works. 
to save us from sin and death and in our individual lives to rescue us from really hairy situations and call on him to do it again. Do it again. Much like a child would be like, Dad, do it again. My kids do that. Do it again, Dad. Do it again. I'm like, I can't. I have a bad back. God doesn't have a bad back. He's cool. He, like, he's powerful. He's a divine warrior and a gentle shepherd. Marshall, if you could throw up the, the picture of, of the Caribbean Sea with Puerto Rico missing, I want to leave one thing with you. I think there might be people in the room who feel like this. You feel invisible in your pain, as though God doesn't see or doesn't care. And I got this picture. I don't know if you guys have watched uh, Jurassic Park, the original, the OG. It's really good. They go downhill pretty quick. Um, but the number one, just delightful, a masterpiece. Should be put on the National Film Register if it hasn't yet. My point is, in the movie, they, the kids grab, they're in the park, and it's dark, and they can't really see, but they grab these night vision goggles. You guys remember this part? And then I think what they see is like a, a little goat that gets eaten by the T-Rex. It's great stuff. It's cinematic genius. Anyway, I, it's like this picture that, that, I, that I have of God with those goggles, with the night vision. Like, he sees in the darkness. Whether you feel invisible or not, he sees. He sees your pain. He knows it. And he's summoning you to come to him today. And not just today, every day that you need him and on behalf of other people as well. So if that's you, I want to encourage you to go get prayer. If you feel invisible, like God doesn't hear you, and by the way, it's okay to acknowledge that. The psalmist is really honest. If anything, God's love makes it so that it's really safe to be honest. We don't have to be fake. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to put on a good face. That, it would be like a departure from the beautiful honesty in the psalm to just pretend like we're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's cool. It's not the way. So if that's you, go get prayer. Or if you need prayer for anything else in life, if you just feel like there's something hard in your life that you need prayer for, these are trusted men and women who love the church, who love Jesus, who would love to pray for you. With that said, I'm going to do a soft close. It's 11.45. We have 15 minutes. You are free to move out the cabin. All we ask is that by 12 o'clock, you go grab your children, please, to relieve our kids' workers. But otherwise, if you need to go get prayer, if you need to go get some, I don't know if there's any coffee left, maybe. If you need to go talk to somebody in this room, if you need 10 minutes to just have adult conversation because the weeks are crazy with the kids at home, do that. If you need to talk to somebody here, do that. If you need to go for lunch, do that. I'm going to stop talking. Thank you, Father, for today. We love you. We're grateful to you. Thank you that you are a rescuer, a divine warrior, and a gentle shepherd. We love you. Teach us your way. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Enjoy. Happy Fourth. Enjoy your weekend.